This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Many Happy Miles, a podcast that celebrates all types of forward movement, whether it's an epic hike across the Grand Canyon, a couple pull-ups, yeah, good luck with that, or your brisk walk after a setback. We're here to say yay to it all and bring on guests to inspire you to move with joy. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. And I'm Sarah Wester Flynn. And Dimity, I'm saying yay to taking a big leap with my um, athletic endeavors that's a clue. What? Oh my gosh. This is new. Oh, new. Are you learning diving or are you swimming or what are you doing? Jump high jumping? I'm going to jump off a boat into the San Francisco Bay and do the escape from Alcatraz Aquatlon. Oh, oh my gosh. So fun. Yeah, this is what breaking is news. I've just committed. Um, it's, yeah. It's in five weeks from now. So um, it's a lot. And part of me is like, oh my gosh, I, I just feel like I, I need something. I've been really mundane with my training lately and coaching is taking over and I'm feeling like I'm losing myself as an athlete. I'm like, so why not just do something crazy? And I got a media invite to do the Escape from Alcatraz triathlon. Wow. Which I'm totally not prepared for. Um, but they have a, a, a quathlon um, the day before, which is just swim, run. Um, there's no bike. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which I know you probably are like, why wouldn't you want a bike? Because uh, you love cycling. But um, for me to travel with cross country with my bike and it's, I it's a little totally overwhelming understand that. So I'm like I can yeah. go out there with my running shoes and my bathing well wetsuit with bathing suit so I'm gonna do it but I'm so scared I've written extensively about this triathlon and yeah for those of you who don't know you do jump off a boat it's supposed to emulate the escape from Alcatraz um the jailbreak uh that you know happened I don't even know when a long time ago 100 years ago and uh you jump into the water which is choppy very and, cold water yes, yes and rumored to be shark infested which it's not uh, i mean there are sharks there but i've never heard of a shark attack during this this no race. that's a good you've got you've got the critical mass on your side you know you're gonna jump in with a whole bunch of other people so yeah but the thing not, is it's not just it's not a whole bunch of other people because it's not during the triathlon so i'm like how many people are doing this race the swim the swim run because um if it's only 10 of us are we gonna get eaten by a shark 
Uh, (laughs) But yeah, so that's, that's my new news. Nice. So how, how long is the swim? It's 700 meters and the run is like a 5k. So it's a watered down version of the triathlon, which is notoriously hard. It's something that you really do need to train for. And I respect that distance and that, that, that the terrain too much to just say, well, I can do it. So that's why I feel like the swim I can uh, have done hard swims before. And then the run, I'm in good, pretty good run shape. Um, I'm not sure if we do this, the famous, the steps and the, the sand steps. I don't know if you, towards oh, the end, yeah. you have to like climb up these sand steps and get to the finish line. I, I imagine I'll have to do that, but you know, I'll, it's only a 5k. So I think I can handle that. So, so yeah, oh, I'm, I'm excited for you. Oh, that's and I'm going to do it. I'm hopefully going to be writing about it for triathlete.com. And so, yeah. So that's good fun. job. Well, congratulations. Yeah. We can't wait to hear about it. And I love that you get to go do it. Like I like that you get to do a race that feels good for where you are right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, instead of like, okay, I've got five weeks to do the whole enchilada, including cycling, mm-hmm. you know, and getting my bike out there. That's just a, it's a big, um, it's a big effort. It is. Yeah. <laughs> so you get to taste it and mm-hmm. it's still going to be plenty challenging and you can push yourself and um, gosh, I can't wait to hear about the swim. So yay. <laughs> yay for that. I'm glad you're saying yay to that. And it's not me. Yeah, <laughs> to jump right? into those I know. I'm like, okay. This is like, if I say it, I have to start telling people. I mean, I'm like, yeah, if I put it out there, I'm going to do it. And now I'm like, no, I'm really doing it. I'm, I decided like yesterday, this is, this is happening. Good. Yeah. Good. If nothing else, you're just like, it's fodder for the podcast. That's what I was doing. Like, exactly. Well, if nothing yeah. else, I can get a blog post out of this. I survive. <laughs> I survive. But if, if I don't, it's a good way to go down, right? Yeah. Yeah. More doing what you today, love. But, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about you doing that, Sarah. And yeah. I'm really excited for this very special episode of Many Happy Miles. With Mother's Day this coming weekend, we've decided to focus on motherhood, not only by sharing about being moms ourselves, but by bringing on our own moms to talk about raising daughters, particularly daughters who ventured into athletics and continue to pursue a healthy lifestyle well into adulthood. As the well-trotted quote goes, here's to strong women. May we know them. May we be them. May we raise them. And between the two of us, our moms raised seven strong daughters, so we figured they're experts in this area. Plus, they obviously did something right. I mean, I think you're pretty <laughs> strong, and I think you're the, actually the definition of strong, Dimity. Oh, thanks. I, I don't know if my mom <laughs> would agree with that, but... Let's go ahead and bring on our first guest, Jennifer Pearson. Jennifer has three daughters, one of which is Dimity, who's in the middle, and six grandchildren, and has been at various parts in her life an equestrian, a skier, a hiker, a tennis player, a golfer, and now spends her active time hiking, walking, and playing pickleball. So welcome, Jennifer, Dimity's mom. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, hi. Hi, <laughs> hi, sweetie. Hi, so sweetie. Tell us about your childhood and teenage years. What did they look like as far as sports or other activities went? Oh, my my childhood. Um, well, I grew up where where girls didn't have a lot of choices um, in school. I did go to an all-girls school, so I think I was able to play field hockey and basketball, volleyball, baseball. Um, and then I had a, I had three brothers. So we were active. We lived on a lake. We swam all the time. Grew up in Minnesota. So there were winter sports, skiing, skating, hockey, um, just kind of all around four season sports. Yeah. But not, but not a lot of girls organized sports. Right. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, because, yeah, that that sounds to me like a, 
you know, because I often think of, so Title IX, the legislation that, you know, mandated that girls get equal opportunities for sports was passed in 1972. And I feel like that's kind of when things blossom. But, um, but it sounds like, mom, you were active before that happened. Do you, do you feel like you missed stuff with Title IX? Or like once Title IX came out, do you feel like you had more opportunities or was that already kind of past your playing days? Well, you were born in 1972, so it was a little past my playing days. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, fair. <laughs> That's how I remember when it was passed, actually, is because it's the year I was born, which is kind of cool. So, I mean, do you feel like you w- would have liked to have more opportunities like to play in high school or college, or do you feel like you got a good swing at things, so to speak? No, I would have liked to, I would have liked to have seen it at least. I would have liked to have seen women playing on professional teams or just sports in general. Everything was about, you know, when you went to watch any kind of sport, it was a man's sport, a male sport. And I didn't have the opportunity when I went to college as I did in high school. So no, yes, I wish that there had been more opportunities. So when your daughters were born, what activities did they participate in as kids? Well, we did that they were raised in Minnesota also. So, uh the community offered a lot of uh sports like soccer, softball. Um I think that's about it. So so <laughs> that's all I can think. But I know that's again, all I can think of too. <laughs> I know. Again, swimming was very important to me. I everybody just like walking had to know how to mm-hmm. swim. So so swimming, which I thought everybody knew how to swim. Apparently they don't. Swimming, tennis, um what else did you do in the summer? Softball, that kind of thing, skiing, skating in the winter. Uh just just outdoor good fun well-rounded athletes so were you gently nudging them towards sports and fitness or were your daughters the ones driving that train oh I think it probably came from me I love to be outdoors I love to I have to move every day um so I either walk or hike or do something every day and I and I probably just drag them along I know I drag Mm -hmm. my older daughter along (laughs) (laughs) I think they just, I think they grew up knowing this is, this is part of what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think too, mom, I mean, I know you definitely nudged us into skiing because that was like an all day Saturday event. Um, We were in this thing (laughs) called uh, ski jammers where you basically like dropped us off in a parking lot, a school parking lot at like 7 a.m. and then like picked us back up at what, like 530 or something like that. Not quite, not quite that late. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe 4.30. And <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, basically, you were like, okay, the kids are in school, you know, quote unquote school, like six days a week, which was good. It, it tired us out. It gave us, you know, friendships and that kind of taught us how to ski. But I I do think that that was a little bit of a, a win for you too, right, mom? Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Did you get to ski at the same time while they were in ski school? Or were you out there? Uh, well, I did teach for a little bit, um, but not at the school I sent them to. Mm-hmm. It was it was an opportunity. It was one. It was something that all kids I knew did, and it was a great opportunity. And you know, kids learn much better from other people than their own fam- than their own parents. So, right. you know, my my whole philosophy was to try to um, give them a chance to learn every sport that they could. 
so that when they got older, they had confidence and a choice of whatever sport they wanted to do. I didn't have mm-hmm. that growing up. Um, so I, that was part of my child rearing was making sure that my kids knew at least the fundamentals of every sport I could think of. Yeah. Well, and I'm curious, mom, um, I mean, you never really, like, you didn't ever really foster the competitive side of us though, right? Like it didn't, I mean, not that it, no. I, I know most parents, well, it's hard when your kid loses, of course, but I mean, like, like, I don't ever remember talking about winning or losing with you. Well, no, that was part of growing up in the seventies. You did not, you all got a participation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it was almost more cutthroat back then though. Right. Wasn't it like now, like everybody gets participation, but um, Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you guys just won a lot. (laughs) Maybe you have to have those conversations. (laughs) Well, and it might've also been kid by kid, right? Cause I am not competitive, but Megan, my older sister, who was really into like um, equestrian and doing um, horse shows and stuff, like she was competitive, right? Mom, she wanted to win. Oh yeah. And to this day. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. He's the oldest. Yeah. 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 Sounds about right. And I'm a middle, I'm a middle child. So I'm more like Dim, you know, much more about the experience. Winning is great, but it's not the be all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so mom, when you had us, uh, how did you factor in your own fitness? Because I mean, I definitely remember days of Jane Fonda. Are you doing the Jane Fonda record, <laughs> the LP, <laughs> yeah. um, and going for walks with your friends and stuff? But I mean, obviously, you know, three kids, um, you and dad got divorced when I was in middle school. I mean, you had a lot on your plate and you worked too. I mean, let's, you know, so how did you take care of yourself? Well, yeah, Jane Fonda was big. Um, I just like to be outdoors. That's my, that's where I find my peace. And so, you know, I love cross country skiing, you know, whoever would go with me, whichever one of you girls would go with me, would go with me. Um, I tried running, jogging, it was called jogging. It wasn't mm-hmm, running. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I liked it, you know, off, off the road, but I, I think it's just part of my being. I was raised that way and I just took you outside and we did things. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that was, you know, I mean, there's a whole mental component in there too, obviously, when you're raising kids. So sort of grab the time you have. Yep. And you're still very active. I am pretty active. I guess I am. I don't think I am because I've slowed down a lot. But um, when I look around, I'm like, yeah, I guess I am. I mean, I will. will. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody says you go on hikes and you do all sorts of things. I do. I do. I do. And I look forward to it. It isn't a drudge. I I really look forward to it. So That's great. So, Jennifer, when you're looking at your body of work as a mom, this is a big question. What do you look back and what are you most proud of? Well, I, I, uh, I'm very, very proud of them, who they have become, um, how they've, they're each have their own individual lane that they went down. They're independent. They do try everything and they've raised, and they've raised wonderful kids. I mean, they've raised my grandkids. You know, it's hard not to be prejudiced, a little biased about this, but. I just, I'm, I'm just very proud 
how they have struck out on their own, but then they also see each other as friends, Mm -hmm. which was a huge goal of mine in life before I leave is, was to make sure that my kids liked each other as, as friends. Mm -hmm. And, um, I've been able to facilitate that a little bit by taking them, trying to take them away, uh, once a year. Mostly to some place where we have a lot, a lot of activity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mexico, right? Yeah. 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 That's yeah. fabulous. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I wish every mother and daughter team could do it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, as I, I was the only girl in my family, as I said, I had three brothers and then I had a stepbrother. So for me, it was uncharted water. I wanted six boys and I got three girls. It was just <laughs> totally uncharted. I just, I'm just really pleased at what who they've become. Yeah. Thanks, wow. Mom. Thanks, yeah. Mom. Well, and I will say, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, this this friendship between siblings uh, trickles down to my kids right now because they are not super yeah. friends with each other. And I'm like, you guys are all each other have. So at some point, you're going to have to figure it out. So um, they will. With, that's a PS. And then also, yeah, both you and I, mom, are not very good at sitting still. That's not our, that's not our forte. But our last question for you, mom, is uh, what advice do you have for mothers these days as far as raising active kids? I feel like technology has just really thrown a loop um, as far as sending kids outside to play. Like you just talked, I mean, I remember just being outside for hours and hours and I really tried to do that with my kids and they really wouldn't have it. So I'm just curious if you've seen things that you would do if, if you were raising kids right now. I don't know. It's a hard one. You know, for your kids and all my grandkids, they'll listen to me about that much better than they'll listen to you because I just say no. Mm-hmm. No, no phones. We're going, we're going out. We're going on a hike. Leave your phones. And they'll do it. You know, that's the, that's the wonderful thing about being a grandmother. I think it's really hard. I mean, but, but the, but the plus that I see is more families do things together. Like you go out, you take your whole family hiking and stuff, or they do it. They can do it begrudgingly. I mean, you, you all weren't like, Oh yeah, come on. I can't wait to go with mom today. I just like, you're coming, but that's it. You know, and mothers are much better about taking care of themselves than they used to be. So I think uh, the role model thing is a gr- is great. Mm-hmm. And I think you know the kids. You know, when kids get older, they'll they'll get rid of they'll they'll prioritize. Yeah, as I say, you lead by example. It sounds like, and yeah. have, ever since you were a young mom, you were out there running, probably out before a lot of other women were running and hiking, jogging, jogging, right, skiing, <laughs> and everything. And so that trickles down now to the next generation, beyond just your daughters, but into your grandchildren too. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks, mom. It's always fun to talk to you and get your perspective. Thank you for for raising me to be a strong daughter and and my sisters and our and all of our respective kids. It's yes. uh, something well, special to think about. <laughs> and well, personally, is... thank you for bringing Dimity into the world. She's oh. an awesome person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except she never liked her name. But um, anyway, so <laughs> thank you. This has been fun. And um, and I'll wish Dimity an early happy birthday. It's tomorrow. Oh, oh yeah. thanks, Mom. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Bye, girls. Bye. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now we're going to switch over to Sarah's mom, Elizabeth Wassner, who lives in Silver Spring, Maryland. She has four daughters and 10 grandchildren. Liz had a long career in the travel business and now spends her time doting on her family, traveling and staying active with fitness classes. And as Sarah says, never sitting down for a long time. I think we all have that in common. (laughs) Cannot sit still very long. Welcome, Liz. How are you today? Fine. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I, yeah, I'm so happy to have you on because while life wasn't perfect growing up, we all came out pretty well, if I don't say so myself. Um, I tried to emulate your parenting style since I became a mom myself 14 years ago, especially when it comes to your gentle but firm way of guiding us to success. So how would you describe your approach to parenting, especially considering all the ups and downs we experienced as athletes from the time we were little? Well, underlying all this is that I had to go to work full-time far away from our house. And so I was gone 12 or 14 hours a day. I had to rely on other people, but mostly on the four girls to take care of themselves and to do the right thing. So together with my husband, who's very a very basic person, you, you don't do this, you don't do that, you do this. And I followed his motto mostly. And, um, and they, they bought into it with the help of other people, like my parents, took a, uh, were always close to them, and so if I had anything that would come up, they could always go over there. Well, I think you obviously did a great job. I adore Sarah and um, know your other daughters. I know two of your daughters just uh, tangentially through you know um, being in the journalism business and social media. Um, and three of your four girls were scholarship athletes at a Division One level. So that opportunity, as we talked about with my mom, wasn't even possible for you. So did you, if, if Title IX would have been passed earlier, Liz, would you have wanted to play um, organized sports? Was there any sport that caught your eye or were you a runner? Or? Uh, we were in a Catholic school. So if you were big enough, you could get on the team. If you weren't, you couldn't. And I was very small at that time. I wanted to do it more than anything in the world, though. I had this burning desire to do it. Which which team were you talking about? Well, basketball. That's the only thing they had it then. And uh, okay, you know, I I really wanted to do it, and so I always encouraged them to do it, so we could always be outside as much as possible. We had size working against us. I think my mom did too. So <laughs> we were always really little, which is interesting because I'm not little anymore. I grew a lot, but my mom had that experience of saying like. It, did, it doesn't matter. Like your size shouldn't stop you because she was always very small and she had that um, empathy for us as this kind of the underdogs. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I wonder if you would have pursued basketball had it been. Yeah, I definitely would have because I thought and I used to look at their shoes and want to wear them. I mean, I was passionate about it. But there was no yeah. way. I mean, I was 67 pounds in the eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Liz. I think I was 67 pounds in the first grade. So <laughs> my mother could care less about trying to say, oh, well, don't worry about it. It was left for me to do the worrying. And 
but the, so but when the girls came along they were very active and they i had to channel them because they were they wanted to do something all the time and so yeah did they ask to play sports, Liz? Like, did they ask to run or play on a team? Or was that something that, again, like you found a lack, you wanted to get them outside? It started with swimming because mm-hmm. there was a very good program where we lived. And I knew that they, if they did that, they'd have to stay there till six o'clock at night. And even one of them said to me, I hate swimming. I don't even like any water in my whole life. And I said, okay, there's a daycare center that takes 12-year-olds. You want to go to it? <laughs> I'll swim, I'll swim. <laughs> and then they got a coach that saw that they had something going, and he pushed them and pushed them all through high school. And by that time, they'd forgotten that they didn't like it. Yes, and they swim. I mean, those are the twins, and they swim every single day. And so there was a lot of, uh, as the younger sister, I went along with everything. And there was a lot of resistance, I remember, from my sisters. And now they're like, they can't live without swimming. So it was just the teenage years, I think. Yeah. Um, Did Liz, were you able to go spectate the meets with your job or was that? Some, yes, or- on Saturdays and Sundays, we were devoted to working at the, at the swim meets, wherever they may be, up and down the East Coast or in the Washington area. Both of us, yeah. uh, that was our whole life for the whole time. And did you like uh, doing that or was that? Uh, uh, oh, yeah, I mean, we did because it gave me a chance to have us all in the same place at the same time. I didn't have to look at my messy house. <laughs> so that was good. Yeah. I have the same sentiment now when I'm like, oh, we're all out of the house. Good. Like even if we're at an all-day swim meet, track meet, soccer game, I'm just like, at least we're not in the house because then I start like stressing about the mess and I know where I get that from. <laughs> There's no end to it. But um, as far as the running went, when they got to ninth grade, um, not the older one. The older one was devoted to theater. She didn't want anything to do with any athletics. But I, I made her swim, too, when she was still in grade school and high school. But they had a little cross-country race. It was only going to be a mile. And I went into the woods, and we went. Th- I went there, took, left my office, went there, and out, run, out came my twin girls. And I thought, what? You know, I didn't know they knew how to run. But yeah. they must have done it because they were very. They were also very, very tiny. And the coach took a, uh, a uh, told me they were talented. That's how it was. So they tra- they ran all through high school and college. And, and then when Sarah came along, he assumed that she was going to be <laughs> that way. I'm not sure she always liked it as much, but. <laughs> Yeah, big big shoes to fill for sure for me. Following in those footsteps. Did you ever? Um, I I have uh, questions. My mom. So I tried to. I pursued rowing after college at a pretty high level, and my mom. I wouldn't say that she didn't support it, but like she was kind of like, "Why would you do that? It looks so hard. It looks so unfun." Like, did you ever worry about your daughters like in the tough workouts, um, or was that something that you just left to the coach? No, not at all, uh, because I had run one race in grade school, and I won it, and I remembered that. I thought, oh, my gosh, I remember how exciting that was, that I actually did something that was better than everybody, because yeah. other than that, I was just in a big family full of, you know, nothings. Also a middle child <laughs> yeah. in a big family. Yeah. So oh, I, I knew they, and the coach told me they had talent. I didn't know how he figured that out, but... uh just because they ran a race, a couple of races, but yeah, they were good at it. Did you try to foster that talent or did you, like, did you, you were like, okay, let's see what we can do. Or did you again, just say like, okay, that's great that she has talent. It's up to her to work with her coach or it's up to her to drive right. herself yeah. to get to where she wants to go. Exactly. I did not uh, 
have any special coaches for them or running things in their backyard. I found some of the superstars had running tracks in their backyard and things like that. There is this. Yeah, there's a local uh, runner who had a track in her backyard. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Even back then, there were private coaches. And I remember that floated by um, a few, you know, some of the superstars in our area. And my parents would always say, no, you don't need that. You know, that's not something. Although if we wanted it, they would have looked into it. You know, there was that level Mm -hmm. of support. But A lot of it was just like, you have the talent, just work hard and see where that gets you. And Sarah, was that easy for you to do because you were following? So your twins are Becca and... And Laurel. Mm -hmm. Laurel, that's right. Yeah. So they were out of school when I entered at high school. They were already in college. Um, And I would say a lot of it was easy just because I knew what to expect. And I saw what they went through. And for the most part, it was positive. And at least in my eyes, I thought, oh, they did great. And they had fun. And they had these friends and they got to go on these trips. And I want to do all of that. Um, And but I I definitely had a different experience. And I'm a different person, personality wise, body type wise, the way I approach things is a lot different than my sisters. So I had a different experience. Um, And I think my mom probably had to go through a little bit more of the the triumphs with me than she may have had to do with my sisters. But we've all had our moments in sports, but we've held on to it because, you know, there's something that was inside of us to that. It, it kind of makes us who we are in a way. So, sure. um, yeah. So I think that I think I told you when we were thinking about doing this episode was like my parents were always there. My mom was always there, but we were never pushed. And I think you said that with your mom, too. It was just like, that's why you get to where you are, I think, with without experience burnout, because there was no external pressure, I would say, um, coming from my parents. So yeah, well, I, and I also yeah. think that, you know, again, like the diversity of sports, like they're just, again, I'm sure that there were private coaches when we were growing up, I didn't even I didn't know about them for sure. But I was like, you know, you switch sports every season, you know, and you just do what you can. I don't know, maybe, and maybe if I would have been more intense, maybe they would have looked into more opportunities, but it just felt like, yeah, just play, just play and go have fun and move your body. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I might be putting a little bit of a rose, rose eyed tin on it, but. Actually, I just talked to my friend, this is a little bit of an aside. I have a good friend from college who has very talented daughters, twin daughters too. And we are talking about the level of uh, professionalism that's going into high school sports now and how everybody's specialized. And she's like, can it just be that go out and have fun and go score a few goals and maybe they'll get a college scholarship. Maybe they won't, but you know, we did live in a little bit of a better time, I think when it came to athletics and that we could get college scholarships without all this specializing. Oh, for sure. It's, it's a job now. Yeah. And you you know that, you know that so much better than I do through your daughter, but you know, looking back, I think that because you and I both had this kind of strong mother in leading the way, yeah. Yeah. you know, it kind of did make us who we are and did make us determined to go for whatever we wanted. So I so want to thank you nice. for that. For my mom sitting here You're next welcome. to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, are there, is there one moment in, when you look back, you know, after raising us for all these years, that makes you the most proud and doesn't have to be, I don't want it to be about me because my sisters are very accomplished, but have, is there one moment that you just couldn't believe that you produce this life for your daughters or a moment like that? No. <laughs> it was all fun and I would do it again tomorrow. I loved it. I loved kids. I, I loved um, the camaraderie of the other parents. 
it was a social life, really. And um, I was happy that that they were, you know, good students. That's the was the most important thing that they would be able to go become something and not, you know, just be a runner and then not have a school to go to after uh, four years of high school. So uh, it was really uh, it was it was like a gift to us that they were good students and good athletes. We were we were lucky. Yeah. We were lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know anybody else that had that good fortune. So Liz, uh, let any last advice on um, raising strong daughters, strong kids in general, um, making sure that they can kind of find their own path? Well, just making them be responsible for everything they do and give them a, giving them a lot of responsibility so they can make choices. I really do think that, that helped a lot. Great. Well, thank you for coming on. I know this is a lot and you don't, not your favorite thing to do is talk about yourself, but I appreciate you coming and sharing because you are a wonderful mom and you've done, in my eyes, everything right. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you, Liz, for joining us. All right. And now for our very special bonus guest, none other than another Mother Runner co-founder, Sarah Bowen Shea. As many of you likely know, Sarah's mom, Margaret Bowen, passed away in December 2021, one day shy of the age of 95 and a half. And like our own mom, she played a pivotal role in raising Sarah to be the fierce, strong woman that she is today. So we wanted to bring Sarah on to reflect on her own mom. So welcome, Sarah. Hello. I'm delighted to be here as a guest. I know, I know. You just said it's, it's like coming through the front door of your own house, right? <laughs> Ringing the doorbell? <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, so Sarah, let's um, start by having you tell us about Margaret, your mom. What was she like as a person and as a mom? Well, I just now uh, reached out for a photo I have of her here in the studio of her with my older daughter, Phoebe. Um, when Phoebe was probably about two, and my mom has a big smile on her face. My mother was a very, very loving woman, very warm, and uh, well-liked by everyone, including strangers. I used to um, rib her about that, that strangers were always talking to her, like when we'd go into New York City or something, and on a bus, people would start talking to her. And my mother grew up on a farm in Southern Ohio, and it was her dream to move to Manhattan. And so in her mid 20s, she did that to work at a magazine. And my mother was born in 1926. And she didn't get married until she was 29, which was quite old to get married back then. So took her a while to get pregnant. And then um, she by the time she had kids, she had stopped working. And then my parents moved to suburban Connecticut. And my mom was very, she was a fabulous cook. She was very well read. She was, I, I think, I think loving is just the, the main word that comes to my mind. And although as she got older, I, I did realize she's kind of a private person. Like I live here in Portland, Oregon. And I love how close I am with our neighbors, both um, literally and figuratively. And my mother, I realized was kind of a private person in a way. So it was almost ironic that all these strangers and, and people in her life really gravitated toward her. And she kind of was like, hey, I want my space. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I have to ask, what magazine did she work for in New York? So she worked for Ladies Home Companion. They're magazines that even when I was a young person, they were not still around. She worked, she was a home economics major at The Ohio University. And I really, <laughs> trademark. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it really took me a long time to understand. Like, I basically thought my mother went to college to become a housewife, like, like to study, you know, how to get dinner on the table at six o'clock. And no, I mean, home economics was this fascinating, burgeoning field, particularly because, you know, all these new appliances were coming into people's lives, whether it was gas stoves or freezers, and things that we just take for granted these days and don't think, well, I need to learn how to use my freezer. Mm -hmm. And so she really, you know, there's a ton of science to home economics. And so she worked at magazines in the kitchen department, mainly doing features on how to, you know, I don't know, five recipes for making the best use of your freezer, you know, I don't know, something like that. Mm -hmm. And, and so she, yeah, she worked for Ladies Home Companion, she worked for one or two others. And I'm embarrassed to say, I don't remember the names of them. But she loved, she loved it. Did you unearth any when you went to back to clean out our house after she died? No. So we did, we outsourced that. Um, we, uh -huh. we did not go back to do that. And she, my mother had done a really good job of cleaning out because she had, they had sold the house about, um, so my father died in 2018 and, and she sold the house that fall and had moved into a um, very lovely facility. And so she'd done that big move, but, but le in the decades leading up to her life, she'd done a good job of, of getting rid of some of the excess things in her life. And so I have since gone on eBay and perused some of the options for those magazines. And one day I think I will buy a couple of those to to see that. Um, but she also, she was such a good cook and she had quite a collection of cookbooks and of recipes. And so sometimes she'd have recipes from like the 1960s that she'd cut out of magazines. So like you know, beef bourguignon, and on the back would be a ad for Jello. Um. <laughs> I just love like thinking about those early days of magazines too. Like, oh, you know. oh my gosh, uh, just the, no computers. You know, mm -hmm. having to type everything, having to take phone calls. Oh, the best was my one of my favorite stories of my mother is that she went to a trade show in San Francisco while she was working at one of these magazines. And so she and one of her colleagues who she was lifelong ended up being lifelong friends with, they rode the train to San Francisco, uh, taking it back. They rode the train to Oakland, California, because there was no Bay Bridge. So then when they got to Oakland, the journey's not over. They then took the ferry to San Francisco. So, so, so Tiffany, I think about all the traveling we did to promote our book. You know, we'd be gone for three days, maybe four days. You know, here to go yeah. on a trade show to San Francisco, you have to take what, maybe a three or four day train ride to get there and then get back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, love it. Wow. It was a good trade show. Oh end. my gosh! But the pace of life. Can you imagine how delicious that must have been to be like, oh, hey, colleague, let's go on a four-day train ride each way and get to see America. And yeah. um, oh, I just remember when she moved from Ohio to the. I remember the story. I don't remember this actually happening. That she moved from Ohio to Manhattan. That she had to negotiate her salary via telegram wow. because it was too expensive to make an interstate phone call. So I think they offered her, I don't know, let's say $23 and 50 cents a week. And she was like, 
replied, I can't move for any less than $25.75 a week. Oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I love it. I, I love, love it. it. Well, so yeah. was she an active person, Sarah? Like, did she like to go for walks? Did she play sports? Tell us a little bit about that side. Yeah, so definitely my dad was the active one. And so he played tennis. He was as people listen to the podcast know, you know, he was a very active swimmer. And so my mom, my mom did not know how to swim at all. Um, and that she for a while, probably more than a decade, she walked with a neighbor. And ultimately, she really didn't like the neighbor all that well. But the woman <laughs> wanted to go walking. And that was that should have been the glimpse into huh, my mom, like, I don't know. It's a, it was almost a curse. Like my mother was liked by everybody, and she didn't like everybody. And- <laughs> <laughs> she, had, she put up a good facade if she did that for a decade. She sure man. did. She sure. Oh, I mean, I mean, the, the woman's name was Eileen, and she she would come home and just be like, "Oh, Eileen just went on and on about some inane story about her son." Da, da, and I'm like, "Whoa, rein it in, mom." Rain it in. <laughs> so as I'm saying this, I'm like, "Huh, maybe that's where I, I got my judgy qualities from." But <laughs> Hopefully, Eileen, uh, Eileen's daughter, I know. not listening to yeah, this podcast right, right now. Right. I was going to say, so, where is Eileen's family now? Right, right. <laughs> so, so she, so they, she walked for fitness, and um, uh, yes. So, but my mother was very hardy, you know, growing up on a farm. So she really knew the value of hard work, and so she, I guess, in this day and age, we really call it functional fitness, is what my mom had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she could deadlift. She could yeah. overhead press. Well, she could well, you you went to my my childhood home. You know how far that garage was from their kitchen. And there are times that I I mean I probably take mm, let's say twenty steps from if I get a grocery bag out of the trunk of my car until I get it onto our kitchen counter. It was yeah. like I don't know a tenth of a mile from the garage <laughs> to the back door. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, just to, just unloading the groceries for a family of four was a workout. She got her 10,000 steps in that. Seriously, right? she did. She did. So it sounds like she passed on a lot to you, Sarah, your hardiness, your sense of adventure, your love of writing and reading. Um, so what, well, you know, what, how, what was your mom's role in guiding you to be who you are today? You may have already answered that, it sounds like, but. Well, um, I definitely speaking up. And um, because, you know, my mother asked for that $25.75 weekly weekly salary. So I would say speaking up, I... I don't know. It was funny when my when both my parents were alive, I really thought I was so much like my father. And now that they've both passed, I'm starting to realize that like the fact that to me, serving my family a really tasty home-cooked meal is a way I show love to them. And that was very much my mother. Mm-hmm. And things like that, that the taste of food really matters and presentation isn't – it's not my jam. It was not my mother's jam. And I'm not saying that my mother just slapped stuff on there. She had – you know, she served lovely dinner parties and things, but it was really what the food tasted like. Well, and you also, she was a big history buff, right? And that's yeah, both, I, both you know, my parents you know, were. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good that's a good call. We will be like on a meeting, and Sarah will be like, um, 
Well, you know that that's the day that um, JFK was shot, or I don't know, maybe that maybe people know that date, but you know, like random, that's like, you know, John Adams' birthday. And I'm like, oh my God, you know that. That's so funny. A neighbor was just saying, she was like, oh, I made this new friend and I completely forgot her birthday. It was April 14th. And I said, well, that's the day the Titanic sank. Oh <laughs> right there, right there, folks. That's what I'm talking wow. about. Wow. That's so, on the way to school today, I was talking to Amen about he's taking an AP US history test on Friday. And he's like, Ooh. I need to know all these dates. I'm like, I can't help you at all with this. <laughs> Sarah, you may have to tutor him yes. next few days. <laughs> yes. So yeah, so and my mother volunteered uh, prodigiously at the um, historical society in my hometown, Stanford Historical Society, shout out, and would um, curate exhibits and um, host events and um, lead field trips. And so maybe that's where I, you know, fall into the role of being retreat coordinator. My mother would lead bus trips to, um, I don't know, museums like up on the Hudson River. So, so maybe that's, you know, why I can organize our retreats. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, thank you, Sarah, for sharing so much about your mom. Thank you, other Sarah, for bringing your mom on. Thanks to my mom for coming on. Wishing you guys all, everyone who's listening, a happy Mother's Day, whether you are a mother or you have a mother or you mother unconventionally. Um, we know that we are a life of a lot of giving, trying to find some space for ourselves and and giving everybody around us love, support, and grace. So may you celebrate yourself today. So if you want to go test your strong, join us in Blue Ridge, Georgia for a trail race at the beginning of October. In the Race Like a Mother program, you'll train with a team of fellow Bammers for a 15K, 30K, or 50K under Coach Christy Scott, and then gather together for a trail race, again, in Blue Ridge, Georgia. It's one of the most beautiful spots in the country as far as the trails and the scenery go. For all the details, head to anothermotherrunner.com slash 2023 programs. Um, we'll also link in the show notes, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you on the trails. Our podcast today was produced by Barry Medore of Fire on the Bluff in St. Paul, Minnesota. Minnesota.